0: To take the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ and place it in front of us, before us, in between us and these global concerns that we're seeing around us and allow the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ to break down those issues into their true constituents. This is To the Ends of the Earth Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Ends of the Earth Podcast, where we're always wrestling with the question, what is it going to take to complete the Great Commission in our generation? We're your hosts. I'm Joey Gordy.
0: And I'm Baron Muga.
1: In this episode, we'll be asking, how should a believer think about global problems like like hunger, poverty, or social problems like racism? Our response is that we should have a gospel prism through which to see these issues. I mean, as an example, two weeks ago, we discussed isms, like racism, colorism, casteism, and so on and so forth. And uh, basically, we only started to scratch the surface of this topic. So I think we're revisiting some of these as examples to help us see how the gospel prism can help us deal with these topics biblically. And in fact, the Bible truly offers solutions to the current global concerns, like racism, that have colored world history. I mean, Baron, how does the idea of a gospel prism help with global problems?
0: Well, uh, when I think back to my schooling years, when I recall the idea of a prism, I recollect a triangular prism. Most often than not, it was part of an experiment on light. And the term refraction comes to mind where when a light hits a transparent prism at an angle, we observe that an array of colors appears on the other end. And this is because as the light hits the prism, The constituent wavelengths of that light, um, that is the various colors that make up that light, they travel through the glass at different speeds and at different angles, and thereby they separate the light into various distinct spectrums. Now, I know that every analogy breaks up at a certain point, but I think this picture is a good illustration on how we need to process what we see around us. Um, We need to take the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ and place it in front of us, before us, in between us and these global concerns that we're seeing around us and allow the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ to break down those issues into their true constituents and allow us to see the issue in its true colors so that as we respond to these questions, God's truth will have helped us see the problem with clarity and truth and clarify our possible responses. Joey, how can we apply a gospel prism to the question we talked about, two weeks ago, specifically the question and racism.
1: Yeah, really, Baron, <laughs> the Great Commission actually addresses racism head on. And we certainly don't want to miss it. I mean, just think through the Great Commission passages, specifically think through Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and then think through Acts 1-8. I mean, of course, the original audience who heard those Great Commission, like when Jesus was speaking to them, were a group of Jewish Jesus followers. And in Acts, we see that there's about 120 of them at the very end of Jesus' ministry right before he's about to ascend. And the first few verses of the book of Acts tell us that the Jewish Christ followers were actually expecting Jesus to usher in his kingdom right then and there and restore the kingdom of David, which was a Jewish nation with a prophesied Jewish king. And this would be a kingdom that would remain forever. At least, Baron, that's what they thought. Jesus, however, had very different plans for them. In fact, he told them that he would be leaving and that he would send the Holy Spirit. So he wouldn't even be ushering it in right then and there and stay. He he was going to send the Spirit. And now what was even more unexpected is that he told them that they would have the most important job in all of human history. So once empowered by the Spirit, once the Spirit came down, They were to take the gospel all over Jerusalem and Judea. Wow, right? Imagine that. They were to be the heralds of the kingdom of God to all the Jews. And now comes the part where Jesus upends racism. He went on to tell them that they would also take the gospel and make disciples of their enemies. The Samaritans and uh, others.
0: Joey, tell us who are the Samaritans and uh, why is this important?
1: Yeah, I mean, in order to answer that, we need to go back to the year 721 BC, so before Christ. And if, if you know any uh, biblical history, there were two kingdoms after, uh, after King David and his son Solomon when Solomon died, the kingdom was split into two. There was a northern kingdom called Israel and a southern kingdom called Judah. The line of David continued to reign in Judah for many more years, and Israel had various and sundry different lineages of king. Well, in 721, the Assyrian nation, the powerhouse of the day, the global power, came in and demolished the Northern Kingdom and took many of the Jews living in the Northern Kingdom as exile and then replaced, put other people from other countries into Samaria. So by the time we see Jesus visiting Samaria in John chapter four, the Samaritans are actually seen as sort of a a half breed Jew, right? Because they had intermarried for all of those years, centuries, actually. And so not quite a Jew and not really a Gentile. More, in fact, maybe even worse than a Gentile in the eyes of a Jew, uh, John tells us very straight on that uh, the Samaritans and the Jews had no dealings with one another.
0: But Jesus comes and does something unusual, Joy. He engages in a conversation with the Samaritan woman. Why?
1: Yeah, I honestly because God loves the whole world. I mean, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, not. For God so loved the Jewish nation, which of course he does. Not God so loved the Gentiles, which of course he does. God so loved the world, everybody. So even the so-called half-breeds or outcasts of the day. And more than that, he was even modeling it to, he was modeling cross-cultural ministry to his disciples at that very moment. And so, um, I We think of the disciples as they're sent out to the Samaritans, the very ones that they distrust and and maybe even hate it. I think it gets even better. As if overcoming racism against your closest neighbor is not enough, Jesus commissions his disciples, and thereby all of us, to make disciples of all nations. I mean, every people, every place, even those we don't trust or those we are racist against, Because the Great Commission is based on God's kind of love, the kind that loves, like I said, the entire world and everyone in it, despite race, gender, tribe, color, caste, sex, uh, we are compelled to also love them.
0: Let me inject there, Joey, with with another question. Um, Do you think that this was a real hatred or, or maybe were the Jews of the day culturally conditioned to treat Samaritans as inferior? Or maybe was it somewhat of a mix of both depending on the person?
1: Yeah, it's probably more like a mix of both, but I'm leaning towards, you know, more animosity. And uh, I just take the parable of the Good Samaritan that Jesus told when he was asked by the local leaders, when they asked him, who is my neighbor? And the ending of the story, I believe, packs a massive punch because it was not the Levite. It was not the priest. it, It was the Samaritan. Who ended up rescuing the Jew who had been robbed and beaten basically saving his life in other words the outcast showed the kind of love that Jesus shows regardless of his skin color or race
0: and just to be clear um, like you were saying earlier in Jesus commissioning the disciples to take the gospel even to the Samaritans he was in fact saying to his disciples that they were actually to love them you know it may be possible to to witness to someone you hate but God has called us to love one another as we love ourselves. That is really the second and greatest commandment. So hatred, like racism and other forms of isms that we've discussed, like tribalism, creates an unnecessary barrier to the gospel. And, you know, when we look at Scripture, when we go further in Scripture, as if maybe this lesson on anti-racism needed to be repeated from another angle, we encounter Peter. You guys remember in Acts 10, when he goes to Cornelius' house and, uh, and we should note that the law in that day considered it unlawful to even associate with those from another nation. But God had told Peter differently. And here he seems to be embracing the Gentiles and he's walking to Cornelius's house, ready to share the gospel, knowing that God has told him not to consider anyone unclean or less than him. But that is not the end of the issue for Peter. Later we find him struggling with how others perceive him and his association with the Gentiles because we see him, he's eating with the Gentiles, but once this Jewish group arrives, he withdraws and 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 he kind of steps back from associating with them because he's fearing what maybe this Jewish group is going to think about it. And scripture records here Paul's rebuke to Peter in this regard in Galatians chapter 2, verse 14, where he's basically challenging his hypocrisy and he further clarifies another aspect of racism that maybe we need to also highlight, that subtle actions like disassociation from people and like you to please others— or inconsistent acceptance or conditional treatment of another race is basically hypocritical of a Christian. You know, Joey, these raw accounts refract, to use a prism term that we've been talking about, it refracts the issue of racism with enough clarity and distinction to know what God is calling us to. See, basically, God does not just want us to be not racist. We have to be anti-racism. Joey?
1: Yeah, Yeah, you're right. There are many ways to fight racism. And most of those are good and honorable, I mean, but loving others to the point where you are willing to lay down your own life and even your livelihood for them to know and experience God, that that has got to be the top of the list on fighting racism. I mean, some of you listening might be thinking that racism is, you know, that's a foreign problem, that's a Western problem, and let's put it back into perspective if we can, I mean, who are the people's tribes, castes that you don't trust or feel animosity towards or disassociate from? Perhaps these are the very ones that Christ is commissioning you and your church to love and take the gospel to. Baron?
0: You know, Joe, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, somebody might ask, well, does scripture give us any framework for addressing some of these other ills, like we had mentioned, like tribalism, colorism, and casteism? I know we've been talking about racism. Uh, What about these others? Well, we say yes. You know, when you put the word of God and the gospel before you, you will see that you are no more worthy of the gospel than anyone else. Christ died for all because he loved the world. All of us have the same need. We are lost in our sin and in need of a savior. And God loves each and every person in this world, regardless of what anyone might think about their skin tone, about their ethnicity, about their caste, about their tribe, or whatever other kind of qualifier you want to put in there. In fact, we can fast forward to the end in Revelation 7, 9, where we see the picture. And it's pretty clear that all races, tribes, and ethnicities will be heaven-bound. And if we are to be counted faithful, we must be part of pursuing that end. Joey?
1: We have looked at how the gospel and the word of God can serve as a prism and how that will help us gain clarity on responding to these global concerns and, and really just kind of help with our integrity as as we follow follow Jesus and the gospel. And so let me ask a question out there. Is there an issue or concern that you see in your particular context or in your part of the world that needs a solution or a response? I, I would just suggest to take time to prayerfully dig into God's word so that it can illuminate the issue with clarity and color your response.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Please hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. And feel free to share this podcast uh, with those in your contacts as we seek to get the message to a broader audience.